Garrett from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author of the book Paycheck to Purpose, and host of the Ken Coleman Show is my co-host today. As we answer your questions about your life and your money, as a reminder, Ken's show is all about career and all about job and all about finding work that you're passionate about, good about, and creative about. Yeah, so he can help you with all that, too, while we're here. Again, phone number 888-825-5225. James starts this hour in Canada. Hi, James. How are you? I'm doing very well. Better than I deserve. How are you, Dave? Better than I deserve, sir. What's up? This is an honor to talk to you. I am such a fan of the show. Well, I'm honored to talk to you. How can we help? <laughs> uh, just, uh, I just have a quick, well, not even a quick question. Uh, me and my wife are, are planning to get out of debt as soon as possible. And I just have a question that's been lingering on my mind. I have uh, some investments, about $5,000 Canadian, in uh, some ETFs. And uh, I'm just wondering if I should sell my investments to pay off debt. Okay. What kind of debt have you got? I have a line of credit that's about Mm -hmm. $19,000. We also have some credit card debt and and a car loan as well. How much do you owe on on your credit cards? uh, My credit card itself is about $13,000. Okay. So there's a there's an old yeah. rule that I've learned. I've twisted it around a little bit and used the rule because it's a decision-making uh, framework that's helped me a bunch. It comes from okay. the Harvard Investment Newsletter. And um, the guy in there say, says when you've made a bad – when you made an investment and let, let's say you bought a stock at $100 a share and it went down to $75 a share. Okay, and so you're about to lose, you know, you're going to lose money if you sell it while it's down. But you really don't think it's ever going to come up. It's not, it's it's a crummy company. It's probably going to go on down, but you're waiting on it to at least come back to where, what you paid for it. His point is what you paid for it doesn't matter. All that matters is the future of the stock from $75 What's it going to do, go up or down? And his, what he says is don't analyze it based on what you paid for it. That's called a sunk cost analysis. Now, I'm, that's an investment process. Okay. Now, I'm, I flip that and I use it in situations like yours or other situations like I'm in as well. Sometimes if you own something and you reverse engineer it, it tells you what you should do instantly. Let me give it to you in this way. Let's pretend you didn't have $13,000 in credit card debt, but you had $8,000 in credit card debt, Would you? and you did not have a $5,000 ETF. Would you go buy in a, borrow an additional $5,000 on your credit cards to invest into an ETF? Well, crud, no. 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 I mean, we can answer that instantly, can't we? That sounds <laughs> stupid when no, you say it that way, no. doesn't it? But all that is yeah. is the reverse of your question. So if you would not borrow 5000 more on your credit cards in order to buy an ETF, we would instantly cash out the ETF to pay 5000 down mm-hmm. on the credit cards because it's the same difference, just backwards. Yeah, that's, you know what, when you say it like that, it's very, yeah. very obvious. It's kind of like sometimes well, we, get, we, get, we get paralyzed by these decision makings because we're stuck in the moment rather than in the reverse. You can do it with a boat. If you've got a boat sitting in the driveway that's worth $10,000, you mm-hmm. go, 
If I had $10,000 in the middle of my kitchen table, would I go buy a boat just like that if I didn't have that boat? Well, crud, no. We hadn't used the thing in five years. I'm tired of it. takes up space. I'm paying insurance on it. I, I, it's, it's, it's going down in value. Or we use it every weekend. The kids love that boat. Of course I would go buy that boat if I had $10,000 and I didn't have that boat. Well, then you keep the boat then. But if you go, well, no, I would never buy that boat again, then it's way past time to sell that boat, right? You, you just reverse engineer it, and it tells you what to do in these situations. Ken does it with a job, don't you? I mean, you could go and go, I yeah. hate my job. Well, if you didn't have this job today, would you take this job? Lord, no. Then why are you still working there? It's you know, so it's true. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People say, should I stay or should I go? And I said, well, uh, just the fact that you're answering the question. Yeah. We need to go. Yeah. You wouldn't stay if, if I had a job waiting for you today. So that's absolutely right. It's a great, great analogy. Yeah. Right? So that, that, that's how I'm going to tell you. Um, and, and, but more importantly is the why or how the process we use to make the decision, James, it tells us instantly with a little bit of reverse engineering now uh, um, you know that's why we tell people not to take money out of a retirement plan because there's a big penalty and a big tax in order to put the money into your credit card it's going to hit you in, in the states it would hit you about 40 percent between penalties and taxes so that's like saying dave would i borrow 40 percent borrow money at 40 percent interest to pay down on my debt well crap no that's dumb we're not doing that and so same that, that that's yep. why we tell you not to cash out retirement, but yes, to cash out the ETF. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And in this case, huge momentum coming out of this decision as well. You know, you know, I think, Ken, the, the great resignation that we just came through after the Fauci pandemic, everybody mm-hmm. quit their jobs because they wanted to have a better life. Yeah. Um, was caused a little bit by that. Yep. But even the great regret by people wishing they didn't quit their jobs mm-hmm. uh, is also caused by that, isn't it? Yes, it's all no this. Question. It's all this. It was more emotion-driven, impulse-driven than it was thinking. Okay, I don't want to live this way. That's exactly right. Well, we're trying to get the quick fix, and the quick fix was I'm going to leave a company where I'm valued, and I actually enjoy the work, and I'm going to go over here for a 15% raise. Then they got there, and it wasn't what they thought, and the raise wore off. The high. You know, there's a decision like, ooh, I make a decision and I get ahead quick. You feel like you've gained the system. Then they're there for three months. This place sucks, and that's what you call the great regret. And by the way, what Dave's talking about, folks, is we're talking about millions of workers. Millions. Millions who said, I wish I had stayed at my previous company. This is not like a little trend. This was a major wave of people. And again, we were trying to game the system and get the quick fix. And you realize, oh, I would have been better off staying where I am. I'd be happier, more fulfilled. And that affects my my anxiety, depression, which affects my sleep, my physical life, my relationship life with my wife, my kids. If I'm dragging all that crap from work home with me uh, and I didn't get that much of a behavior change. And to this point, if you took a 15% raise to try to pay off credit card debt or to pay off, well, I can live more and you just kept spending. And by the way, Dave, that's what we've seen right now in our economy. We just got the latest reports out. The GDP's up because the consumers in America are spending like Congress. And credit card debt is going up with it. And we've got to take control of our spending, take control of our habits, and getting out of debt, back to this call, uh, and not just chasing the next big thing. It's the discipline to say, I'm going to change my life, change the way I act, and those are going to guide my decisions, not the next big, quick fix to feel like I just gained the system. you yeah. got to change who you are. More money to get in a worse place. 
wears off in about 20 minutes. Really fast. Yeah, you get a career hangover from that one. Yeah, and then you try to drown it out with credit card debt. <laughs> Ouch. It's funny how Not that James. works. Not James. James is going to pay down his credit James card is a good debt man. with an ETF. This is The Ramsey Show. Listen, everyone needs ID theft protection. It doesn't matter your age, how much money you have, or where you live. We all worked too hard to build our personal and financial reputations to have some thief rip them to shreds. Trust me, it's an absolute nightmare if you become a victim. But wasting money on overhyped, expensive plans doesn't make sense either. That's where Xander's ID theft plan comes in. They've bundled together the services you need at pricing that can't be beat. Whether you're looking for monitoring that includes your home title, VPN encryption, unlimited recovery services, or stolen funds protection, you'll get that and more at great value while dealing with people you can trust. I've seen these guys in action, which is why I have Xander's plan for my family and our entire team. Go to Xander.com or call 800-356-4282 to get protected. Save money and stay ahead of the identity theft nightmare. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Jaden is in Portland, Oregon. Hi, Jaden. How are you? Pretty good, Dave. How are you doing? Better than I deserve. What's up? So my income has drastically increased in this last year, and I'm trying to find out if I should buy a house soon with 3.5% down or if I should wait and put down the 20%. Okay. Tell me your story. What's happening? Um, so, well, I was just working regular jobs. I'm not making too much money a year, and then I got offered a job where now I make 120 grand a year. I'm only 19 years old. Um, I was living in my van. This job, I do have housing, um, but I have a fiance at home who's still living in the van with our pups. So that's why I'm kind of trying to figure out if I should put down three and a half percent, get her out of the van, or if I should wait and put down 20%. Okay. So you go from a van to housing is furnished, but they won't let your fiance stay there. Um, no, cause, um, I, uh, kind of, I can't talk about what I do too much, but I just work with individuals, um, that, uh, just need some extra help. So I'm away from home for two weeks at a time. So I'm with another person in the room and they can't come along with me. I see. Okay. Um, why is renting not an option in this? You've given us two extremes, I feel like. Yeah. You're going from a van to buying your first house. Congratulations I, on the income. But why is renting on your own not a part of this equation? Um, the renting is only out of the equation because um, where I live, rent is uh, very high. I understand making a lot of money. Um, but I really like saving my money because I've been watching you for a while. And spending money, I just it just makes me not feel good. And I have a big dog. And with the big dog, a lot of places won't let me in. So then I'd be looking at paying like two grand plus for housing. And uh, that I'm just kind of not really too fond of. We've been living in the van now for almost two years. So we're kind of comfortable in it. So she would be all right waiting until 20%. You're comfortable in the van uh, with a giant dog? Yeah, well, it's like an RV van. So it's a van, but it's an RV. So it's all fitted out like an RV. And uh, we're outside people. So usually we're outside. Um, Jaden. And the puppy, like the dog, he's pretty good in the van. Yeah, Jaden. Um, when Sharon and I got married, um, I refused to move into an apartment because I had two big dogs that I loved. 
and uh, one was half Malmute, and the other one was um, a, um, a fire dog. What well, uh, oh, Dal- Dalmatian. 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 The Dalmatian didn't like animals, and I mean, didn't like people, and the uh, Malmute didn't like animals. So uh, <laughs> I was a 22-year-old genius, and I moved into a <laughs> rental property uh, instead of moving into an apartment. Uh, the first week, the Dalmatian bit a jogger, and the Malmute ate the neighbor's cat. <laughs> and uh, so I decided I was not going to be able to keep my large dogs that I love because they were going to cause me to lose everything I owned, even though I love dogs more than just about most humans. But I had to give away those dogs. Um, and I had rented a property, a particular property, nothing to do with my wife's needs or my needs, but the needs of the dogs. And they didn't make it three weeks. Um, I tell you that story yeah. to say, um, sir, I'm an old man, and so I'm going to give you old man advice. Don't make decisions about where you live based on a dog, ever. Mm. Don't make decisions about where you make your fiance live in a van, ever. And um, if you're, she's your fiance, let's set a date, get married, and go rent an apartment, and or go find a place in the country and rent it for the big dog, only to discover three weeks later that he ran off to Tennessee. And now you've got to, a place to in Uncle the country. Uncle Dave's house. So he came to he came to my house. That's where he ended up. He's uh, what that what was that movie? Uh, homeward Bound. Homeward Bound. He'll be yeah. Homeward Bound to Tennessee and hang out with Uncle Dave. But um, yeah. So. Uh, I'm just telling – this is an actual true story. I actually did this dumb butt stuff, Jaden. And so uh, this was so long ago. We've been married 42 years, and so there were actually newspapers in those days, and they had these things in them called classified ads. So I put free dogs ad in the classifieds. And uh, we moved out of that property uh, four months later and moved into an apartment that cost half as much. And uh, cut, our, cut our rent and cost in half, that, and that was the dogs. It was all on the dogs, the free dogs that I gave away. What happened with the name? Na- who, who owned the cat? Oh, the cat. And the, 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 that neighbor still got, they're still telling the story. <laughs> I, and the, the poor jogger had height prints. That, those this. dogs are meaner than snot. Those those uh, Dalmatians are one-man dog. That's yeah. why they put them on fire truck. Nobody, I didn't know Nobody that. messed with a fire truck because they're mean. I didn't know that. But um, that was the only mean dog I've ever owned. But I didn't own it long. And so, um, <laughs> I never heard that story. Yeah. So, <laughs> Jaden, this is going to be you telling the story someday. Yeah. Only you're going to look uh, as dumb as I look, or you're going to get rid of the dog and go get an apartment, son, yes. and put your yes. fiance in there. And by the way, go ahead and see the preacher this weekend and get married and um, yeah. get it all done at once. It, don't don't make your decisions based on this. It's it's not romantic to live in a van. There's nothing romantic about it. The only it's, thing I didn't get to ask him was, I'm still, I've still was, got Saturday Night Live skit ringing in my head. In I was going to ask him if down, down by, by the, the river. river. If yeah, he lives still, by the river, it that would be that be the end cake. of it. That, yeah. I would be losing it with right the lion, now. giant yeah. dog. With the giant dog, Justin's in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, Justin, what's up? Hey, Dave, how are you? Better than I deserve. How can I help? Well, my wife and I, we have some debt that are uh, trying to get and touch and just try to get it out from under us uh we've got some medical debt and some debt on our home and a vehicle okay now can i help i guess i'm just wondering the best way to get out from under it and 
we've also I've got some land and we're wanting to build on it, but mm-hmm. I'm kinda wanting to get some of this stuff. Yeah, you need to get the deck clean you need to get the deck cleaned up before we talk about that. So what's the total of the debt? It's probably around two hundred two hundred thousand probably. On what? Uh a hundred and forty eight on a house. Oh, okay. Um all right. well, twenty the, the, on the, okay. Twenty on what? A vehicle. Okay. And what else? And I've got eighteen on a on a loan on the house. Eighteen thousand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And about eight thousand in medical debt. Okay. And are you guys? Uh, is the medical event behind you now? Um. No. Uh, we we still have check. It's for our son, one of our sons. He has. We still have checkups on him. He's he's disabled, and mm-hmm. it'll be an ongoing thing, I believe. Okay, so you've got that in the um, um, you've got that in the budget, the ongoing. What do you? What's your household income, sir? Uh, around sixty. Okay. All right. Well, what we teach folks to do is get on a detailed, tight written budget you can help you that with help you do that with the every dollar app you and your wife sit down together give every dollar of this month's income an assignment food shelter clothing transportation and utilities and then let's start paying down debt first goal is baby step one setting aside a thousand dollars as a starter emergency fund second goal is list your debts smallest to largest pay minimum payments on everything but the little one, you have $52,000 in debt, you make $60,000 a year. If you paid off 26000 a year, that's about 2000 a month. That's very hard to do on $60,000. Uh, you would be done in two years. Yeah. I, or if you sell the car, you'll be done in one year. Yeah. I, I've thought about selling the car. My wife is not for it. Yeah, she's not for it because, um, but but if you're going to build on this land, anytime in the next five years, you're going to sell the car, and you're going to start living on less than you make. You guys are not big overspenders. You don't make a ton of money, but you just don't have a game plan. It's not very dialed in. You could take the amount of money you've got and dial it in and be a whole lot better off. But you got to start making some decisions rather than just buying stuff randomly. So hang on. I'm going to put you into Financial Peace University. You and your wife go into that class, and you and your wife use the every dollar budget together and start making your decisions going forward, and you'll be just fine, sir. This is The Ramsey Show. So here's a quick math refresher. There are only 24 hours in a day, so your business needs to streamline tasks that are time suckers and focus on activities that make money. So to reduce headaches as they scale, smart businesses use NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. NetSuite helps you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform. So join the more than 37,000 smart businesses like Ramsey Solutions that have done the math and graduated to NetSuite. And right now, you can download NetSuite's KPI checklist absolutely free at netsuite.com slash Ramsey. That's netsuite.com slash Ramsey. 
Ken Coleman, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. Thanks for joining us. Hey, the, the Ramsey Show annual listener survey is live. We want to know your favorite parts of the show, what you like, what you don't, what you want to hear more of, and uh, whatever it is, we want to hear from you. Two ways you can participate. Text the word SURVEY to 33789 or visit com slash survey. If you take the survey... You'll be signed up to win possibly a $500 gift card. Dad, come, man. We're paying people serious money to answer oh, yeah. some questions. But, or somebody some serious money. 500 bucks. That's sweet. Not everybody, but one person. That's still, my goodness gracious. Well, thank you for your help, all of you. We're, we're thankful to you. Obviously, we're really thankful. Rachel's in Independence, Kansas. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Good. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? Hello. I was wanting um, a little bit of advice, if you could, about um, I, um, my ex-fiance and I broke up about a few months ago, and we have, over the course of the last five years, racked up some debts, and that's what we have um, both of our names in, and I've been advised um but um, by family members, like, oh, the only way for me to start fresh and um, maybe get it, get our names off of each other's stuff is to go bankrupt. And I just kind of wanted a an outside um, perspective or outside um, piece of advice rather than just going off of, like, the lawyer's perspective. Yeah, asking a bankruptcy lawyer if you're bankrupt is like asking a dog if it's hungry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. How old are you, Rachel? I am 29. Okay. How long have y'all been broke up? Um, It's been about two months. Mm. After five years, huh? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, so how many different items are you attached to each other on? I, it looks like only about four. Five-ish. Five-ish. Okay. What are the five-ish items? Um, a house, two cars, and then at least two, if not three, loans. I'm trying to find out if there's another one that's in both of our names or just mine. Okay. All right. No credit cards. Um, I have credit cards, but I don't believe both of our names are on the credit cards. Okay. Any checking accounts? Yes, I have. With both names? Um, oh, no, we didn't do that. Oh, no, of course not. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, but both your names are on the cars and on the loans, on the house deed and on the loan? Yes. Okay. What's the house worth? Um, That's a good question. Um, The lawyer asked, or said you should look on Zillow. Um, I thought that there wasn't going to be any equity in the house, um, but from what Zillow says, it's worth 130, and we have 90 on it. But we just refinanced. I don't know how mm-hmm. accurate that is. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you signed all of that. Okay, signed all of it. Yeah. And, and what do you make? Um, I just got a new job, um, so I was making about ooh, about. 60-ish, 
65 a year now with the new job. I will be making like around 80, 85. Okay. All right. And what do you owe on the cars? What, um, about, each car. Which, which each car and what are they worth? Um, see, the one is worth 40. Well, we got the loan for 42,000. I think we owe about 30 something left on the truck. And then another car, ooh, it's around 20,000. And I believe we still owe around that. Okay. And which one are you driving? And the car. Okay. All right. Um, okay. And, uh, I'm assuming you have discussed this with him after the breakup. What's that sound? Yeah. Like? What's that sounding like? Yeah, we um, seem to we divvied up expenses. Um, he got since he and the boys. Um, I want you know I didn't want them to move out of the house. I decided to move out. We I'm sorry, the, the boys. He has, he has um, boys from a previous marriage. Oh, his sons. Yeah. Okay. All right. And they're in the house. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, what I would tell you to do, um, if you were my daughter, um, is to go, uh, hopefully with someone, uh, in your family, just to sit there for moral support and not say anything, sit down and meet with him in person and say, um, this is an ugly mess. And neither one of our lives go forward easily with this mess unless we together figure out some way to undo the mess. Here's my proposal to undo the mess. Okay. Uh, You refinance the house and get the mortgage off of my name and I will deed it to you. You get the truck out of my name either by selling it or by refinancing it. I will do the same with the car that I'm driving. I will either sell it or I will refinance it and get your name off of it. That will leave only $8,000 that the two of us have to pay off together. And I'm going to aggressively pay that off uh, probably uh, in the next few months. Okay. Okay. Because if you don't do that, it's all going to land in his lap and you will have filed bankruptcy for no reason. Because you're not bankrupt. You just have a partnership disillusionment. Another route you can go, technically speaking, but it's not very practical, is if he refuses to do what I just asked him to do, um, you can sue him for the disillusionment of a partnership. What you have technically, and you'd have to ask a different attorney, not a bankruptcy attorney about this, is my opinion is you have a general partnership without any partnership documents or agreements. The two of you as two individuals that were not married went and bought a bunch of crap together. And um, now that partnership has to be undone, and you're asking the court to force him to do what I just asked him to do. That'll Mm -hmm. cost you about $10,000, probably, if you're lucky. I wouldn't do with that. I I might sue him just to get him to make him do it, and then the suit gets dropped. Hopefully you don't take it all the way to court, though. Um, Mm -hmm. But... Uh, filing bankruptcy on this, uh, you know, it's kind of like taking poison and hoping he dies. You're killing you when you file bankruptcy and he gets all the debt. He's going to be left with the car, the truck and the house and the $8,000 debt. 
that's what he's going to be left with. All of that gets dumped on him when you're no longer on it because of bankruptcy. But you're and you're free, but you now have filed bankruptcy, um, which is like dropping an atom bomb on a pissant in this situation. It's a little bit overkill. A lot overkill is what I'm trying to say. So I think the two of you ought to try to sit down and work this out like two mature adults. I have a feeling that's probably not possible, though. What do you think? We have sat down and talked. Um, so both of our, just over the last few years, our credit has tanked really bad. So we have talked about doing this in the future. So how about selling all three have- of these things then? Sell the house, the truck, and the car. Mm-hmm. Everything gets sold. Uh, well, I mean, we, they wouldn't have a place to live. And I oh, darling, how- there's all kinds of rental properties right there around Independence freaking Kansas. And you get you a hoopty and you're not bankrupt and you got out of this mess. Yeah. Folks, ladies and gentlemen, when I tell you people shacking up not to do this, Rachel is a case study on why not to do this. Don't buy a house with people you're not married to. Don't act like you're married to people you're not married to. Don't set up life with people you're not married to. You get screwed in the process, metaphorically. This is The Ramsey Show. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Ken, for a uh, old-fashioned dinosaur like myself, it was shocking to me about a decade ago when I read the statistic that actually more couples in America today uh, live together that are not married than are married. Uh, there are more people, quote, unquote, shacking up. Mm. Uh, than ever before and so the problem of our last caller comes up um, it's exasperated it gets it gets really really bad in those situations so the thing is that um, it can come off as some kind of old-fashioned moralistic thing which is fine I'm an old-fashioned moralist in a lot of ways I'm happy to go with that I'm the anti uh, to the I'm, I'm that side of the coin if you will and I'm comfortable in my own skin on that, but that's not my, my motivation. My motivation is what's good for you. We love you. We want you to win. And what's good for you is to not own a house with somebody you're not married to because then you move out and you can't get it out of your name, and then you get married to somebody else and have a beautiful life except you can't get a house because you already got a house in your name, and you're messed up, and you're stuck, and the person's being unreasonable that is the very reason you broke up in the first place in the past. And certainly cars and buying things for people and paying debt for people that you're not married to and always under the heading of this is love. Mm. Well, this is not love. This is stupidity. That's right. That's right. Because what happens is things do go sour. And now all of a sudden, what should just be a painful moment now becomes a painful season. And that's the problem is trying to, you know, extrapolate all of this stuff and pull all of it out and fix it. And this could get really ugly for people pretty quickly because then now you don't have you don't even have the, the marriage situation to have a judge speak into. It gets really tricky. And I think that's what people miss. Oh, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. He loves me. He loves me. Well, he may love you, but that doesn't mean it's going to work out. And it, it, you're setting yourself up for a lot of trouble. Yeah, it, it just um and, and here's the other thing, okay? The data, the actual statistical evidence is there 
and in the financial world or the socio or socioeconomics world, um, it's called the marriage advantage. Yes. That even, and I'm not, you know, not mad at you if you're married or you're single or whatever. None of that matters. It's just a data issue. Okay. The data is that a young man who gets married 20 years later has a higher income than a young man who doesn't get married. Some, it's a data advantage. It's an advantage in the data. A young man, young woman that gets married uh, 20, at 25, 25 years later has a much higher net worth. They have a higher net worth. They have a higher income. Um, on average, that's, that's, right. the, that's the actual data that's out there. And part of it is the setback that occurs if you get yourself tangled up like poor Rachel's tangled up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and... and uh, you know, because what this is going to end up now, she's now gone from a fifty thousand to an eighty thousand dollar income, mm-hmm. gotten rid of the b- said boyfriend slash fiance. By the way, a fiance without a date is a glorified boyfriend. You got to set the freaking date. Yeah. Okay. When are we getting married? In two freaking years. Painter, get off the ladder. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Okay. This is not a fiance. This is a we're playing house and trying to make it look a little bit better yeah. uh, to our more moralistic friends. Uh, well, he's my fiance. Well, that matters not at all, obviously, because now here you sit with two car payments, a house payment, and you only got one of the cars. Hello. So this is how this ends up happening. Uh, you, you really get yourself into a mess. And the, the data is out there on the poverty cycle as well that's associated with this. So, uh, Professor, Professor, I'm reading now from some of my notes, Bill Galston, who was in President Clinton's domestic policy advisor, um, said they did a study showing the things you only have to do three things to avoid living in poverty graduate from high school marry before having a child and have that child after age 20 if you do those three things only eight percent of the people who do so will be at the poverty level if you do not do those things 79 percent who fail to do all three will be at the poverty level wow that's a huge indicator mm-hmm. now that was, these are not hard things graduate from high school don't get married or don't have a baby before getting married and have your first baby after age 20 and you have an eight percent chance of being in poverty if you don't do those three things you have a 79 percent chance of being in poverty well the rich get richer and the poor get poorer nope the people who do rich people stuff get richer and the people who do poor people stuff get poorer. Mm-hmm. It's the way we live our lives that causes us to reap the things in our lives. I've done a lot of stupid things in my life, and they've cost me money every time. Only 4% of homes with a married mother and father are on food stamps. Mm. Only 4%. 21% of those cohabitating government for shacking up and 28% of single mothers are on food stamps. Only 4% with a married father and mother in the home. 78% of married people own their own home. 41% of shacking up people own their own home. Hmm. Home ownership, by the way, is one of the key elements in wealth building to move you from lower middle class, lower class to upper middle class or upper class financial strata in socioeconomic measures. This is data, people. 
This is data. This is the result of these moral decisions. A major 2014 report from the American Enterprise Institute for Family Studies at the University of Virginia reports that family income is 73% higher for married women than unmarried women. Hmm. I can help you with part of the reason. Can you? I, instantly, I can come to the conclusion. I don't, I'm, I'm reading into the research. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm commenting on the data. I've got one. If word. you don't have to work, you can demand more money because mm. you can walk out and say, "Take this job and shove it." <laughs> That's right. And so, if you you know, if you got two of you working, I'll guarantee you the husband's making more money too because his wife's bringing in money. The two of them are making money. He's not have to put up a crap off of some toxic situation, and somebody won't give him a raise. He'll go someplace that go got upward mobility. Yeah. She can do the same thing. She's not going to get mistreated in the marketplace. Married men benefit from an average annual economic marriage premium of fifteen thousand nine hundred dollars a year, more income on average than their unmarried counterparts. This is data. Now, where did we lose this data in the decision that half of you, more than half of you, are cohabitating rather than being married? And all it does is require a trip to the preacher or the courthouse. It's not rocket surgery. It's not hard to figure out. And the advantages are all over the place. The legal advantages, the relational advantages, the economic advantages I've just outlined for the past 10 minutes. Yep. And, and, oh, we can say the spiritual advantages, too. Okay, they're there as well. Um, Because God loves you and he has a plan for your life, and it is not to bring you harm. It's to give you hope. And he says, hey, kid, this is the best way to live your life. And then the data backs it up. Who knew? Well, you know, there's a theme going on. I think what we see in the data is that the word commitment, when we live it out, commitment makes a difference. Commitment requires you to be selfless, not selfish, and the antidote uh, to all of this convenience living. Because this is all about convenience. The other side of the commitment is convenience. Well, we're going to hmm. live together because we can, because we're we're fiancés. We're going to just. It's all about convenience. But the data shows that when marriage is about commitment, it's the bedrock of the whole thing. It's a covenant. It's a commitment. Uh, and so with commitment comes selfless behavior. The selfless behavior leads to more money. More money leads to momentum. And so all yeah. in the data there, I'm seeing a struggle, Dave, between two words, commitment and convenience. versus convenience. Yeah. I and think we that's live, what we I live see. in a convenience-driven society. So I haven't given a whole bunch of you in social media a reason to hate on me or to unfollow <laughs> me in a while. So that's what this segment was for. It's to help you have a reason to go away. Some of you wanted a reason to go away. I just gave you one. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to help. You're out of touch, Dave. We love you. You Puritan. We love you. We love you. And we love you as you leave. Bye-bye. This is The Ramsey Show. Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's The Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, host of the Ken Coleman Show and author of the number one best-selling book, Paycheck to Purpose, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Allison is in Boston, Mass. Hey, Allison, how are you? Hi, good afternoon. Afternoon, what's up? I'm calling because I have um, been able to save 
in the last three years um, where I'm about 20000 short of paying off my house. Wow, way and to go. I, thank you. I have that money sitting in an online savings account earning about 4.5%, mm-hmm. and my mortgage is 4%. Um, so it's pretty much close to the to the interest that I'm paying. However, I am a single mom, so I'm very um, disciplined at saving this money, mm-hmm. and it's kind of been like a buffer for me, whereas I know I'm not going to touch it. I also have um, an emergency fund, and I'm completely debt-free. How much so is in your emergency fund? Um, about eight thousand. What do you make? I make about seventy-three. Okay. And how much is and in the, how much is in the uh, pay off the house account? Um, about seventy, and I have money in a four hundred one k that I'm not going to touch. Right, you're not, and um, not if I can stop you. And <laughs> and <laughs> it's not um, all right, and, and so you have seventy thousand in savings plus eight thousand in savings plus a four hundred one k, and that's it. Yes. And how much do you owe on your home? I owe about eighty nine. Um, maybe the payoff is like ninety. Okay. One more time, what'd you say you make? Um, well, I was making sixty five. I'm going to be making about seventy three. I'm taking a promotion. Oh, good for you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, how old are your kiddos? I'm sorry? How old are your children? They are both over the age of 18. Oh, okay. So you're a single mom, but not one that has to pay for people's food. Correct. The youngest <laughs> one just turned 18. Okay. Or not much of the food anyway. All right. Okay. There, um, all right. So here, here's what I know. How old are you? I'm 48. Okay. When you're 68, what's going to make you the wealthiest? That's the way I answer the question. Which of these moves helps you become the wealthiest 20 years from today? Okay. Well, from listening to you, I know about all the millionaires that you've studied. They they pay off their house. Um, they don't you know, take that money and invest it. Correct. I am still also, um, for the last year I've been paying double on my principal mm-hmm. and, um, you're, you're I've a frugal person. <laughs> yeah. They and call me frugal fanny. And you're a self <laughs> and you're a self dinner and you're self-disciplined as well. And p- yes. part of that comes from just the fact that as a single mom, when the kiddos were little, you probably lived through some times that were terrifying. Absolutely. And that makes you forever frugal. That was your Great Depression. Like my grandpa was in the Great Depression, it terrified him. So he pulled nails out, straightened them, and put them in a coffee can the rest of his life. You know what I'm talking about, (laughs) right? That's you. That's you. But you're just because you're a single mom. I have that same thing because I went bankrupt when I was 28. We lost everything. Terrified my wife. And she never, she still, our refrigerator to this day is so freaking full of leftovers. It's a choke a horse, you know, and it has nothing to do with anything because the, the food's so good and it shouldn't go to waste. Look, we're not broke anymore. All right. But anyways, we all have these scars and they manifest themselves in our lives these ways. So very interesting. See here, I am complaining on the radio, but anyway, the, um, uh, uh, so what would I do in your, I don't think your emergency fund is large enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I want to move 7,000. That had been on my emergency month. I'm sorry? Funds, by the way. What now? 
that had been all of my emergency funds. I've just been. Oh, you just got lumped you know. together. I know, but I'm. You, you said you had eight thousand in your emergency fund. So Correct. I'm going to move at least seven over there. I think I'm going to move twelve over there. Because I'm because I, I I you know there's a part of you that's terrified sometimes. So I want you to have twenty thousand. Okay. Okay. So twenty thousand, and that means we don't have seventy. It means we've got fifty-eight, and we owe eighty something, right? Correct. So how quick can you knock down thirty if we throw that fifty-eight at the mortgage? Well, ideally, I would. I wanted to have the home. I've uh, been in there ten years. I wanted it paid off before fifteen. I um, started doing triple towards yeah. the principal. I mean, if, if, if you, how quickly can you pay off the thirty thousand remaining balance if we throw fifty-eight at it today? Probably in less than a year. I that'd be pretty tight. You're you are frugal, Fanny. Okay. I'm with right, you. I am. I'm with you. All right. So why wouldn't we do that? Sit with 20 in the emergency fund, throw the rest of it at it, and knock the rest out in 12 months. So one year from today, we're going to celebrate Halloween with a paid-for house. Hmm. So scary, because I'll tell you, I, the momentum of looking at that money and knowing that I just won't touch it is is. You know, one, I know you also the momentum of looking towards one year so, from today is and being 100% free for the rest of your life. Right. You got to do this, girl. <laughs> you got to do it. It's going to work. It's going to work. Okay. We're not leaving you broke. Okay. You got 20 grand and you're not going to touch it. Yeah. And, you, you know, I know. That, I, and we're sitting there with no savings. It scares you a little bit, right? That's what you're saying. Is that is that fear Correct. not going to motivate you to pay this house off even faster? Say that again. Is the if we use this money and you only have twenty thousand in the emergency fund, and that makes you a little bit scared, right? Correct. Does that fear, that little bit scared, not motivate you even more than your normal frugal self to get the house paid off fast? I, think, I don't know because I have momentum right now. I think I you have. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna raise the probability that the house is paid off because that fear is gonna drive you a little bit more in a healthy way. If I thought it was gonna paralyze you or terrify you, I wouldn't do it. I'd traumatize you. I wouldn't do it. But I think it's a healthy fear, like get out of the road. You're gonna get hit by a car. Fear. That's a good fear. And I, I, I'm, if I'm you, that's what I'm doing. You do whatever you want to do. You call me. Yeah, I, I want to suggest something. I would say I would suggest that you just get out a, a pen and paper and begin to sketch out what you think the worst case scenarios are. Why the seventy matters? Seventy matters so much. Fifty-eight now because I moved twelve. Fifty-eight. Over and I would just play with this because I think what's going on is is I think she might find that huh twenty thousand makes me feel very good. I like Dave's plan. She might go. You know what? This could happen. This could happen. This could happen. It's about thirty. Okay, fine. Yeah, we're fine with that. And do forty-eight. Yeah, but I and think take, that's the 15, exercise. Take fifteen months. Yeah. yeah, I don't think she's thought through the tangible fears and how much money she'd need to get back up on her feet. Because that's what we mean by emergency. It's got to be a full-blown dumpster fire by which we have to touch the emergency fund. And she said multiple times, "I'd never touch it. I'd never touch it." She so never touches what would it make even you when touch it? Even when there's an emergency, she doesn't touch it. So I'd like just, her to do that exercise. I think she'd feel better about it. Yeah, write it out by hand. Don't type it. Write it with yeah. a pencil. Yeah. This is the Ramsey show. Fake it till you make it. It's popular career advice, but it doesn't work for very long. If you don't love what you do, you can't fake the enthusiasm and energy you need to win at work. You also can't fake your physical health and energy. Everybody knows we should eat more fruits and veggies, but 
Fruit chews and veggie tips don't count. If you aren't winning physically, I promise you're limiting your opportunities to win professionally. Folks, I know you're going hard right now to pay off debt and get ahead professionally. You need another gear, and that's why Balance of Nature will help you. They help me. They give me the benefits of fresh, whole fruits and veggies in just seconds. The blend of 31 different fruits and veggies is powdered in an advanced process that locks in the nutrients. So go to balanceofnature.com and enter the promo code RAMSEY to get 35% off your first order and lock in a lifetime price as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com with the promo code RAMSEY for 35% off your first order. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Our question of the day is brought to you by Neighborly, your hub for home services. When you need to make repairs, schedule routine maintenance, or get local help for home improvement projects, go to neighborly.com slash Ramsey, your source to find and schedule reliable home service providers in your area. Today's question comes from Bethany in Arizona. I have a question about my current employment. I've been in healthcare for 29 years and have worked my way from staff x-ray tech to director of radiology. Along the way, I have completed an associate's degree in radiology, a bachelor's in radiology management, and I'm currently working on my MBA in operations and supply chain. I've been struggling with my current role and took Ken Coleman's career assessment, which showed that I am ultimately in the wrong role in the wrong place. I'm being offered a travel technologist, uh, technologist position rather that doubles my income, but, of course, that is a step backwards in position. Travel medical personnel do not have permanent positions, and my husband currently has a medical issue that will prevent him to work for the foreseeable future. Am I committing career suicide? Uh, no, I don't think it's that dramatic. I think you have options. There's a lot going on here in this question, Bethany. Um, so if you believe that that our assessment helped you realize you're doing the wrong thing, radiology, in the wrong place, that speaks to culture the company itself or maybe the opportunity within the organization meaning you don't have a ladder um, then i don't mind the travel technologist position because it doubles your income and i don't see that as going backwards i understand from a status standpoint in radiology and you've been in this certain field for it looks like 29 years so in this case i actually would consider i'm not that telling you to do it but i'd consider it for two reasons number one we're going to double our income and doubling our income gives us options. More mm-hmm. money, more margin gives me and you options. I like that. Secondly, I think it's a nice bridge. Uh, for a season, you're traveling, you're stacking up the money. Your husband's got some long-term health issues, so the more money, more freedom seems to be in line with that health issue as well. And what I would be doing is, if I know I'm doing the wrong thing in the wrong place, I'm taking this season where I'm traveling, getting paid very, very well, to figure out what is my next move. And so from that standpoint, I unequivocally uh, disagree that you would be committing career suicide. In fact, this type of change, Dave, that has the benefit of more money and still keeping stability as she transitions, I actually think it's a good move mentally, not just financially. So, Ken, I'm um, such a planner. If I saw this move as a way to get me to where I really ultimately want to be, mm-hmm. which is, in other words, I'm going to take some, I'm ultimately not going to be in radiology, it sounds right. like. That's right? right. I'm ultimately going to be maybe, uh, she's working on uh, ops and supply chain. Yeah, it feels maybe, like maybe, there's a direction Maybe she's there. moving into logistics, okay, yep. uh, or whatever. Uh, but let's say, okay, 
five years from today, I want to land in a new encore, take a bow after the first act, mm-hmm. come out, do the second act, mm-hmm. career, mm-hmm. an encore career that is solid, and, and it's not going to be travel. This is not a permanent That's decision. Correct. Radiology, though, is not that location. Mm-hmm. If you're going back to radiology, it could hurt you. Absolutely would. But it doesn't sound like we're saying that. It sounds like we're no. going in a different direction. But the more you know that this is a stepping stone to the new place, the more you know this is not career suicide. Correct. Yeah, not at all, because this is a nice transition. You know, because you know, it's not like you it's not like you went backwards or you were unemployed for a certain amount of time. There's no stain by making this move. But I think the clarity, the clear, the the HD high definition detail mm-hmm. of the future place to land, yep. drawn out. I know exactly what I've got to do to get there. Yep. And for two years I'm gonna do travel and then I'm gonna land there. Yep. The more you've got that clarified in your mind, the less that's terrifying right. this move is. That's exactly right. So if that's vague then it's, there's, there's a lot of anxiety it's with a this. bridge to nowhere it, there we go and so in this case the bridge that i'm talking about is all right i'm finishing up my mba i've got to make some connections in this this world of supply chain or operations and i'm not enjoying where i am i'm stuck let me tell you what i know dave about just humans in general if we're unhappy it's very hard to be clear it just is you're focusing all these negative emotions. It's hard to have great perspective. If you know you are in the wrong role in the wrong place and you have an opportunity to get out of the wrong role in the wrong place, I think a fresh start gives me fresh perspective. My emotions are better. I'm thinking clearly. I'm feeling confidently. And that's how we go, all right, what is my next path? And I think that if she knows that she wants to move, to your point, into another certain direction, we know we're going to go here, uh, then I love this move if – she needs to uh, spend more time getting qualified. And it feels like she's got to get qualified and connected here. Stage two and three. I've got seven stages we unpack in Paycheck to Purpose. Mm-hmm. Getting clear is stage one. That's that where do I want to be. Stage two mm-hmm. is i got to get qualified. While I'm getting qualified, I'm getting connected so that I can get started. And this is an, a potential bridge. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say without having her on the phone, but this is not suicide. No, it's not suicide, particularly it's less and less and less suicide when the the clear other end of the bridge is resting on something other than radiology correct yeah that makes sense okay here's the cool and i don't know she said her husband has a medical issue preventing him to work for the foreseeable future i wonder if he can travel if he could go with her and you guys go stack some cash this Mm -hmm. could just be uh Mm -hmm. you know this is a a a midlife honeymoon this is a uh, uh, an yes. adventure, a two-year adventure. We're gonna. This is better than backpacking Europe when you're 19. I mean, this is going to be fun. Y'all go see the world and hang out and yep. and stack some cash and then land the bridge and come back and both of you I get agree. back in gear again. I agree. And even more so because he's not going to be working, the additional income really gives us less stress on the finances too. And again, hard to think clearly when you're dealing with the fog of frustration or the fog of debt. Well, it's turning loose of 29 years of investment into something by saying and grieving it saying i'm not going back yeah, there that's right that's that's uh, that's what makes you think it's suicide i might go back i might need to go back i might need to go back you don't need to go back yeah you don't need to go back there you're gonna stack cash and you're gonna land on the other side of the bridge over in logistics or somewhere else that you clearly outline that's very cool good advice ken patty's in omaha nebraska hi patty welcome to the ramsey show hi dave thanks for taking my call sure what's up uh well the the question i have is i'm buying another house 
um, and I have some money in a Roth, and I want, I, but I do have a HELOC that I've gotten ready. Uh, I'm selling my house. It was going to be that HELOC was going to just be a bridge loan, but now with the market slowing down, I'm a little worried about that. So I do have $111,000 in my Roth. I've always never wanted to touch that, but I think maybe I should just use the Roth money rather than HELOC money, and I wanted your opinion on that. How old are you? 69. How much is in your total nest egg? I just got married in July, and um, together we're doing pretty good. He sold his house, got 260 for that, so we've got that going towards the new house, so we got um, that money towards that, and then my house is worth another 250 if we can get it sold, but like I said, the market is slowing down. And on top of that, you know, I've got we've got a good income. We make about, we've got about thirty thousand in savings. On top of that, you don't have and any then, other nest you know, egg other than this Roth. Um, I mean, I have my my retirement fund that I get off, and there's no, but I mean, a nest egg money investments. Uh, other, you other don't have any. You have thirty thousand uh, dollars to your name after you buy this house. Um, well, I, and I don't think. I mean, I think we have some investments. We have some. Stocks. How much? And then, of course, uh, well, let me see. He's got about 20000 in stocks. But okay. So you're not counting my mutual fund, my retirement fund that I get that? I mean, there's 600000 in that. That's oh, I thought, you, I thought you were talking about you're getting a retirement pension. You're saying, no, you, have no, a four, no, you're no, saying I, you have a 401k or a 403b with 600000 in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes I a difference. Okay. okay. That's a lot of money. That's good. Okay, I feel a lot better now. Yes, use your Roth. Don't don't borrow money. Okay, so if I use my Roth, now what they have said to me is I can use it and I can turn it back in. If I give it back in 60 days, Yeah, if you give it back I in can, 60 days, but if you're going to do that, just sell the house. I mean, I'd delay the closing if you can. Um, but, yeah, versus taking out a HELOC, I'm taking the Roth. I'm going to use the Roth, yeah. Even if you just use it. And it's just gone. I mean, it's not gone because you're going to get it back out of the house when you sell it. But, um, yeah, your net worth didn't change. You didn't spend it. Wow. This is The Ramsey Show. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, it's Dr. John Deloney. And one of the most common questions I get is how to get something off your chest. A deep secret you've never told anyone, or maybe something that happened to you, something you've done that you're worried about because bringing it to light will disrupt your life, anything. I say this all the time, secrets will kill you, but it's hard to know where to start when it comes to talking about scary, dark things. Therapy can be a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I've personally been blessed to have a great therapist who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's flexible because it's online, so you can suit it to fit your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Ashley's in Greenville, South Carolina. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, Dave. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? 
All right. So my my question is a business related one. Um, last, not this past September, but the year before, I purchased a bakery that was eight years old. It was a mom and pop bakery for about one hundred and five thousand um, dollars. It was really small over the year. We improved it. Um, we did some renovations on our own dollar. We didn't um, pay for them, um, and unfortunately, it's not been it's not been successful. And I'm having to close it. Mm, um, I'm sorry. My, that, that's okay. It's, it is what it is. Um, and my question is, um, originally my landlord, I have five more years left on the lease. My landlord said, that's fine. You can, I'll let you out of it. Um, and that was great. However, um, I, he called last, last week and asked me how things were going, how things were moving out. And I mentioned that I was moving some of the equipment out. Um, he was under the assumption that the equipment that was built around um, the space that was built around the equipment he owned. Um, however, the couple that I purchased the bakery from actually sold it to me. I have purchased documents for it. Um, and he is holding my equipment hostage by not letting me out of the lease unless I leave the equipment. Um, I am, I have considered, I've looked up um, Chapter 7 bankruptcy because that would give me 60 days to assume or reject the lease of which I would reject the lease. And then my assets, including the equipment, would be sold to pay off my debts. However, I do not have any debt for the business. It's an LLC, and I decided to get out of the business before I went into debt. Who, so signed, who did you is, sign the lease personally? I did, yes. Okay. The lease is not in the LLC's name. It's in your name. So It is. It is in the LLC's name, yes. Oh, did you did you guarantee it personally? Yes. Okay. Doesn't matter. It's it's your personal lease. You're personally liable on the lease is what you're telling me. Okay. Right? Yes. Okay. And uh how much is the lease payments monthly? Uh they are currently six twenty two forty. They go up by a certain percentage every year starting in October. So okay. if So you have agreed, five years of seven thousand dollars, so you got somewhere around thirty five thousand dollars exposure, right? Correct. What's the equipment worth? It's it's less than ten thousand dollars worth of equipment. So I'm why do you want it? Because I'm hopeful that I can maybe start it again one day, and it would relieve some of the startup costs down the road. Mm -hmm. Do you have any money? Um, I have about twenty thousand dollars in personal savings, and that's about it. I sunk all of my um, all of my life savings into the. If you were going to buy this equipment right now in your situation yeah. used, what would you be willing to pay for it? If you found it on the, if you, um, let's say you let him have it and the next day you walked into a garage sale and you found this same piece of equipment sitting in someone's basement, what would you buy it for? Or would you buy it tomorrow? Or would you wait till later? Um, I, that's a really great, great question. Um, the one piece of equipment that's really ha I'm hanging on to is um, the oven because it's an old oven and the old ones are the best because they don't. And you found um, it in someone's basement tomorrow at a garage sale. What would you pay for it? I would pay probably upwards of $1,000 for it. $1,000. Correct. Okay. All right. So um, I think you can sit. Uh, number one, the first thing you need to do is with this landlord, you need to sit down in person. Yes, we are. We're meeting on Wednesday. Good, good. 
because you're an honorable person. I think he's not a dishonorable person. As a matter of fact, he's got a lot of mercy. He's just letting you out of $35,000. He's already got someone lined up that he will charge. He's letting you out of $35,000. That's not a bad, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a bad guy. He could have held you to it Uh, for a $1,000 oven. I mean, it's not a bad trade. So at the end of the day, if I have to negotiate away the $1,000 oven in order to get out of a $35,000 exposure, it's gone. He can have the oven. Mm-hmm. But I would ask him about it and just say, listen, I, we've honestly, I think you're an honest guy and you think I'm honest and we're just had a, we just did not have alignment on this one subject. Uh, would you be willing to sell me the oven? Because it's the only piece I'm particularly interested in at a, you know, at, at, whatever it's at salvage price, which is probably 500 or a $1,000. That's the only thing that I care about. And the rest of it is I, I care about getting out of the lease. Could we work that out? Yeah, it, uh, it still just gets me that I've already bought the oven, so I don't want to pay him for it. You're missing the part where you got out <laughs> yeah. of a $35,000 liability. That probably gets him that the tenant he had just decided they weren't going to pay. Yeah, but he's wanted me out of there since I signed the lease. Because he can charge double for the people that have already lined up for it. Okay. Um, you do what you want to do. That's what I would do. I would consider this a blessing. And I would, um, in a horrible situation with a heartbreak, um, I'd let him keep the oven or I'd give him 1000 or 500 bucks for it and get the documents signed to completely relieve you of any liability, LLC or personal, further on this lease so that he can go forward. Um, I guess if you want to play hardball from a negotiating standpoint, you could, because it sounds like he's chomping at the bit to get you out of there, and you could just say, you know what, I think I'm just going to give you another 600 bucks and stay here a while and make him lose his potential tenant because you keep paying. If he doesn't, you know, okay. if you if you won't let me have the oven, I think I'm just going to keep paying the rent because I think the oven's mine. I've got a bill of sale for it. And but yeah. I, you know, honestly, I I personally wouldn't do that. <laughs> I personally would. This is a horrible thing you're going through. It's an emotional thing you're going through. The failure of a business is a, a crisis of identity. Anytime I close a major area that we tried here at Ramsey, it's me admitting that I was stupid, and I hate admitting that, yet sometimes I am stupid. and But I get the opportunity running a business to admit it occasionally, and um, it's not fun. It's really not fun. I'm sorry. It really is emotional. Um, I wouldn't screw this whole thing up over a grand. I promise you I wouldn't. You're going to lose that the first time you meet with an attorney. They, they, they charge you $1,000 for driving past their office. Just like it's a drive-by fee, you know? I mean, it's like, yes. Well, I think you made a very good point that she fails to see. Obviously, there's some tension there, and she feels like, well, he has somebody else lined up. I found him. She mentioned that. So she feels like she's doing some good. But we cannot forget the fact that this guy is going to let her out of $35,000 contracted commitment. You can't forget that. And I could be wrong, but maybe the new tenant needs the oven. I think there's a reason. This guy is not a jerk. I think he's like, you know what? I'll let you out of 35. I'm going to keep the oven. <laughs> That's a pretty fair trade. You know, you it's said. a tenant improvement and you're walking away scot-free. Yeah. And so um, if I were the landlord on the other side, even if I had another tenant lined up, I, I would think that's a fair deal. I think it's a very fair deal. So um, it's up to you, though. You can do what you want to do. Let me ask you this, Dave. You if, could drag if, it out. If he's got the other tenant and he could lose the other tenant by you delaying him, 
that's a way to screw with it if you want to do it, but do so at your own peril. But I was going to ask you, because you've, you've been a landlord, you are a landlord. If she hacks him off in some way or just starts negotiating, he's like, wait a second, I'm letting you out of this deal and I don't want the stinking oven. And he gets, he could hold her to this contract and, and he could hold really, her to the 35000 He could put her in some real but trouble. But she says, she says that he's got somebody wanting to pay double. So, right. you know, it, that's the, the leverage back and forth. I don't know. I mean, to me, that's almost irrelevant though. It's what, what the deal is to you. Yeah. Okay. The deal is you personally put your pen to paper and said, I will pay you $35,000. And he says, hey, you brought me another tenant. I'll let you out. That's an act of mercy. It's not a, it's not a legal requirement or a moral re- or an ethical requirement. Um, and, you know, if he misunderstood and thought the tenant improvements became his uh, as an act after the act of mercy, then that's something you can discuss with him. And I'm recommending you discuss it, but wouldn't push it too hard. It's a thousand bucks for 35. It's a good trade. This is the Ramsey Show. All right, let's cut to the chase. It's easy to get discouraged about crazy house prices and interest rates. But when you have the right real estate agent to help you buy and sell the right way, you'll have confidence to make smart decisions. Ramsey trusted agents aren't just experts who guide you through buying or selling. They're someone you can trust to have your back from the first call to closing day. Find a Ramsey trusted agent near you at RamseySolutions.com slash agent. RamseySolutions.com slash agent. Ken Coleman, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host. Hey, guys, if you like the show, we need your help. Help! Click the subscribe button and follow, subscribe to the show on YouTube or on podcast. Click the follow button on YouTube or on podcast. It changes everything if you do that. In addition to that, uh, click the share button or click the or cut the link out and share the link. Um I pulled a, uh, a, a a poignant thing off of Instagram this morning that I stumbled into. I'm not on Instagram very often, but I sent it to my wife and said, this right here, this right here. See, all, what I do, I just click the link, the share button on it, and it sent it right over there. So you guys can do that. It helps us a bunch because we're not spending $300 million a year on uh, football stadiums like Survey. So, um, excuse me, um, but the um, – the uh, yeah, so we don't we don't have that option. We're just uh, regular folks doing a radio show, podcast, YouTube thing where we help you. And since you don't pay for this, one way you can help us is share it, follow it, subscribe it. Thank you. Oh, and five star reviews are helpful too. All right, Kelly's in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Hey, Dave. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Um, so I was calling, um, I left the healthcare field almost four years ago, um, and I've been a stay-at-home mom since then, um, and my husband has been the um, sole uh, income provider, and I have felt the need all these years to keep up with all my medical credentialing, paying for the licensing, and the continuing education, um, but my husband feels like it is a security blanket that I am keeping because I really don't have a desire to return to the medical field. Um, but I tell him that it is not, it's a low cost, uh, or not low cost, but it's a good thing to keep investing in, in the event that something were to happen to him. What, what is I your, were, what do you do? You're an MD, a nurse, what? Uh, yeah. A physician assistant. A PA. PA. Okay. 
What does it cost annually to maintain it? Um, around four hundred dollars. Correct. Yeah. So absolutely what, yeah, keep that. Yeah. But I want to know, is That's he right? Weird. Is he right or is he wrong? Is this a security blanket that if something were to happen to him, or do you have your in the back of your mind, maybe one day when I when I done getting the kids launched that I want to get back into it? What where where do you fall on that? I would I would I mean I'm not I'm not gonna disagree with him that it's a security blanket. I tell him that my concern, and maybe it's because I worked in the ER. Um, is that, you know, if something happens to you and I'm not worried about you dying, I'm worrying about you living, but being disabled and in a nursing right. home for a long time, that's sure. always like the argument we have. Because but is it both and? I think it's both and. I think you're smart for saying right. that part, but I think you're, I think you're open to maybe getting back into it one day, or at least to the point that you'd like to have it as an option. Is that true or false? I would be open to an option, but just not the area of medicine that I left. Okay. Right, but, but so here, should you but keep the way it? I look at it is you you invested a lot of time and money to become a PA, you lose it all for four hundred bucks, no way. Okay, yeah, because it's a, it's a lot more work to go back. Yeah, yes, it's a pain in the butt. You got to go sit for the boards again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not a chance. Okay. I'd absolutely keep. Yeah, it. I, I'm I'm absolutely keeping it. Okay, I kept all of my licenses. For a long time. The only one I now have is my real estate license. I've had it since 1978. Uh, but And we actually actually use the real estate license. It's tied into our Ramsey Trusted program. So technically, I have a need for it uh, today. But I dropped all of my others, uh, the securities license, insurance license, all those kinds of things, uh, after I got on the radio because I didn't want any of those industries or regulators telling me what I could say. So me dropping that was giving them the middle finger so I can tell a bunch of these insurance people to stick it, which is perfect for me. So I, it was easier for me to drop it and better for me to drop it. But prior to that, I had not been in the securities or insurance world in years. But those tests are hard. Insurance is not. It was a joke. But the, the dadgum securities test like taking a CPA. And so I didn't want to sit for that thing again. I, and so for a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, I could keep that license active, even though I was no longer in the business. I got the only reason I dropped it again was I didn't want to be regulated by those doofuses. So, um, uh, but the, uh, and I'm not going to be selling securities anymore, obviously, but the, the, uh, that, that's the same kind of thing for me. I would keep it on that basis. Uh, regardless of whether it's a security blanket, regardless of whether you're going back to work or not, I wouldn't lose all the work you did for 400 bucks. Okay. If it was 4,000, we'll talk about it. Is he that tight or is he just like, this is silly to be paying this? I think he's just, he thinks it's just silly. I mean, he, we've done SPU, we're on baby step seven. I mean, we're doing good and I see like where he's coming from with that, but it's, you know, you might want to go on the mission field and the PA would be handy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. This is a yard sale. You know what you did? Just say, you're so tight, man. We're on baby step seven. I'm going to do one yard sale a year and take care of this. (laughs) I'm going to sell all the clothes you don't wear, honey, and pay for it. That consignment sale. 400 bucks. That suit that's been hanging in the back of your closet for seven years you've not put on, darling, I'm going to sell that. That's what I think you do. I'm selling his clothes. He'll never bring it up again. Sell his clothes. He'll never bring it up again. That's true. He's on baby step seven, but I, I appreciate it. He's it's like he, great, that dude does not like the waste great money. Great discussion. Four thousand yeah. dollars might trip my 
trigger, but 400 doesn't. <laughs> Eric is with us. Eric's in Oklahoma City. Hi, Eric. How are you? Hey, hey, Dave. How are you guys? Better than we deserve, for sure. What's up? Perfect. Well, hey, my wife and I, we're kind of battling the idea of a few financial decisions um, between paying off our student loans, keep saving to buy a house next year, do we invest more, how much do we keep saving? And so we're really just kind of feeling a lot of outside pressures to different decisions and what we should do, mm-hmm. and we're just re- not really feeling clear yeah. on our next steps and decisions. And, what and consequently, you're not getting really great traction on any of them. Right, right. Yeah, lack of focus Mm -hmm. does that. It disperses the energy. Right, right. And so right now we're just kind of, we have so many options. We're we're doing pretty good financially. Um, We don't have any debt. uh, Honey, you have student loan debt. Yeah, besides their student loan debt. Okay, that's debt. How much student loan debt have you got? 200,000. Good God. Jesus Murphy. Yeah. We don't have much debt. We're really doing good. I've only got two hundred thousand. Is two that just came out of your mouth? <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, What's I'm your gonna, household uh, income, sir? We are making about one hundred and thirty thousand a year combined. What do y'all do? So I am a film director. Uh, I, I specialize in uh, the film space, uh, video space here in Oklahoma, and my wife is an attorney. And that's where the law that the law degrees are the two hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah. Why does she not make any probably, money? So she makes about a hundred and five thousand a year. Oh, so you don't make any money. Okay. <laughs> just just about. It's my yeah. first year uh doing this. Uh so we're hoping for we're seeing some good growth so mm-hmm. far toward the end of this year. So you I'm guys are how old are y'all? Twenty six? I'm thirty and she's twenty seven. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, and you're new to this whole Ramsey thing, apparently. Yeah, we've we okay. took a course through our church last year with you guys, and uh, it's where we learned a lot of kind of how you to took Financial finances. Peace University. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. You flunked. You got to go back. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because we taught Sounds you right. in that a thing called the baby steps, and yep. it said don't buy a house until you're out of debt. You remember that one? Yep, I do remember that. And it said. Uh, we're not investing until we're out of debt and have an emergency fund in place because we work the baby steps. Baby step two is become debt-free, everything but the house. Three is an emergency yep. fund. Four is investing into retirement. And that gives you the focus and the clarity that you're looking for. That was in that mm-hmm. class, and that's what we teach, and that's what we've taught 10 million people to do. And that's why it's yep. a proven plan to financial fitness. Y'all have a mess, dude. You need to clean up your $200,000 mess. Yeah, that's, just a little bit. That's what I'd be focusing on. It's not a little bit. You need to quit minimizing it. It's You have a dadgum big old pile of manure right in the middle of your living room. $200,000 is a lot of student loan debt. So you need to work on that. Let's get that cleared up, and then we'll build an emergency fund. Then we'll save up for a house, and then we'll start our investing. That's your order of attack. Don't think you're going to do it, but that's what you should do. This is The Ramsey Show. Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, host of the Ken Coleman Show, author of the number one best-selling book, From Paycheck to Purpose, is my co-host today. 
Thank you for joining us. Open phones at 888-825-5225. You jump in. We'll talk about your life and your money. George is in New York City to start off this hour. Hi, George. How are you? Hey, George. How are you, Dave? Better than we deserve, George. How can we help? Uh, yeah, I was curious if you could help me with, with one thing. So I grew up in a situation where my family didn't have much financial legal room, and now I'm in a place where I can spend a bit more than I used to be able to. I live in New York City, like you said. I work in finance. I'm single. Uh, and as a stands, I max out my 401k each year and have a fair amount of savings. Um, I, I guess it's just that every time I, I think about spending money on myself, there's this overwhelming feeling of guilt that I get. And I don't know if this is something that's common that a lot of people feel, but uh, yeah, I was curious if you could help me ration my way out of it, or maybe if you could tell me that if it's, if it's a rational feeling. It's so common that it's almost everyone in your situation. Wow. Okay. So it's very rational. Uh, is guilt the right word or uh, fear? Or you, you feel bad towards, like, you hurt someone else or what? That's a great question. I think it is more fear, actually, because I think that the feeling is more related to... You I, feel, I feel like I'm irresponsible. Am I being irresponsible if I spend this? Yes, exactly. And okay. it, it's it's a feeling of, like, do I do I know that, like, the, the current situation can last forever? Yeah. And if I yeah. have spent this and then something turns, like, that, that would be... Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. That is universal uh, by people who move from not having money to having money. Um, I certainly have experienced it. I mean, Ken, you and Stacy, Stacy oh, and, yeah. and Sharon, his wife, my wife are good friends. We've all talked about this on trips we've been together. Like we're sitting in some trip and we're like, how can we believe we're actually in this place? We're sitting here together having this meal. Oh my gosh. Give us an Definitely. example. Give us an example of something. Cause I, I want to walk you through that emotion. Give us an example where you felt this. You wanted to buy it or you did buy it, and then you had a negative feeling afterwards or in the process of getting it. Yeah. Um, actually, so it, it's a pretty uh, like current example because I just came back from a trip to Portugal, and I was there for two weeks, and it was a pretty incredible trip. Um, I got to spend a lot of time like in you know some of the big cities I've been wanting to visit and also just the outdoors. But I guess Did you the, go to Lisbon? I did go to Lisbon. It's and fabulous, then, uh, isn't it? Did you go yeah, up the Did you go up the Duro Valley? I did. I did. It's the war, uh, I mean, that's the home of port, boys and girls. That's about as good a port as you'll get because oh. that's the only place it's from. Wow, I'm wow. thirsty. I'm thirsty all of a sudden. Man, that's a great trip. I've done that. Wonderful trip. Did you pay cash for it? Uh, yeah, I did. How much was the trip? Um, Portugal's pretty cheap, but the flights were expensive. I think all in, I probably spent three to four thousand dollars. How much money do you make? Um, in a year, last year I made 400 K. Um, and, <laughs> and how much do you have in savings? Um, last year was my first year getting a paycheck like that. And so I have 140 K in savings. And how old and are you? I'm 26. Way to go, George. Yeah. George. Way to go. What do you, you do for a living? <laughs> I work on wall street. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Way to go stud. So one quick question, George, did you earn that trip? Um, did you I earn so. $400,000? I mean, yes or no? Did you earn the right? Did you earn that trip? Did you work? I, I did. Did yeah. you steal the money? <laughs> I did not do that. Okay, that's the point. <laughs> yeah. You, did, you Listen, you're in great financial shape, and you worked hard, and you were frugal. In, you didn't spend 30000 on the trip. You spent three to 4000 You're single. 1%. Man, listen, 
This is, I, I tell you what, I think this is too. Like I think somebody is, making 30000 spending 300 bucks. Yeah. This is the family you came from, the environment. I think you were over there and you're like, I can't believe I'm here. And I feel a little guilty that I've earned this right to get here. And maybe some of my family members didn't. I mean, there's some of that too. That's right. why you use the word guilt. Is that true? That, that is exactly what it was. I think, like, it's comparison, stuff, I, I yeah, negative comparison. Guilty, like, eating food and, 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 you know, experiencing whatever I was doing and thinking, like, oh, my parents never got to experience this, but I'm getting to do this right now. And I guess there was a feeling of, like, oh, should my parents be here? Or, like, should this be like a. Eventually. Take them on a trip in yeah. one day. Thank yeah. them for it. But you don't have to, like, walk around with this guilt that that you're standing on their shoulders and you are and i love that spirit to know that your mom and dad made sacrifices they're proud of you they're proud that you're doing this so let me uh let let me give you to answer your question in a macro way number one ken and i are saying you have permission you did a great thing you should have done that you should have if you had called us we would have said take the trip okay absolutely And, and there's a couple of ways that i can make that decision in my current life and feel no shame, regret, guilt, fear, irresponsible vibes. Okay. Number one, there are three things you can do with money. You can invest it, you can enjoy it, and you can give it with generosity. You should always be doing all three things with your money. Mm-hmm. You should always have built in systemic generosity and random generosity. You should, in other words, large tips. Um, is an example of wonderful generosity. Okay. Um, you, you know, just walk up and pay for somebody's gas at the gas pump randomly. That's little ones, right? Or, and big ones too. You make 400 freaking thousand dollars. Let's do some generosity. All right. Let's do some investing. You've already saved $140,000. You've only made 400 in one year. That's a good savings rate. Well done. You're doing really good, by the way. Mm. At 26, you're mature emotionally beyond your years because one definition of maturity is the ability to delay pleasure. Immature people don't even ask the freaking question that you're Mm -hmm. asking. Okay? So this is incredible. Very, very well done, sir. Proud of you. So you should always enjoy your money. If you are being systemically and randomly generous and you are investing systematically as well, then when you choose to enjoy a percentage of your money, you can do that easily without any negative vibes or negative emotions, especially if you do one last thing. And I always put it to the burn the money in the middle of the floor test. Okay. If I'm getting ready to do something that feels opulent or feels wacky compared to my childhood or feels like something my parents would have never been able to do or my friends maybe can't do. If I ask myself, is it okay if I do that? Is God going to be mad at me for this level of enjoyment of this money? I ask myself if I take that amount of money and put it in the middle of the floor and light it on fire, is my life going to change? If it's enough money that my life would change, that tells me I've got too much going into this crap. Hmm. But 3000 bucks out of 400 you wouldn't have even noticed it. You passes the burn the money in the floor test, mm-hmm. too. So that's how we know that you're more than okay here. Dude, if you were overspending and acting like you were in Congress, we'd have been all up in your game. Don't worry about it. Yeah. We'd tell you. Yeah. We love you enough to tell you the truth. But the truth also is, if you got your generosity game going, your investing game going, also have your enjoyment game going. These are the only good things that you can do with money, and you ought to do them all. This is The Ramsey Show. 
Do you listen to The Ramsey Show for motivation? You want to know what's even more motivating? Attending a Ramsey event, the ultimate motivational experience that's fully focused on helping you eliminate money stress. Join us for the Total Money Makeover Weekend on May 10th and 11th in Nashville and leave money stress at the door for good. Podcast listeners use the code 50OFF to save $50 on standard level tickets. Get yours at RamseySolutions.com slash events. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host. Sherry is with us. Sherry is in Chicago. Hi, Sherry. How are you? All right. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Is it Shari or Sherry? Sherry. Sherry. Okay. How can we help? All right. So I I am thinking about changing career. Um, I think this will be my third, uh, maybe second uh, career change. Um, and I'm just kind of like a little bit freaking out because this is more of a, a change where I'm not getting a paycheck, paycheck every other week, that kind of a deal. So I currently am working as a procurement in, in that in the industry. And um, I'm, go- I'm thinking about going into like being in the real estate, like more real estate agent. Why? And the market, why? Um, one of the things is, is like, I, I want to be my own boss. I want to go into, you know, you know, make my own hours. You know, if I put m- that much effort into it, then that's what I'm going to get. I just don't want to be, you know, chasing after the carrot. You know, you don't want a ceiling on your income, and you want to be yeah. in control. Most likely, yeah, definitely. That's okay. what I'm going. What do you for. make? What do you make as a procurement professional? Um, currently, I make uh, seventy-five right now. Seventy-five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Seventy-five thousand. Do you have any debt? What's your other financial situation look like? Um, so I know I, I am married and my husband actually is, you know, he's like a data analyst and he makes about like 120. Okay. And uh, we don't have any debt. Um, we actually paid all those off like years ago. We actually made, made sure, I, actually, I made sure that, you know, those debts were just gone. I mean, like we don't have any car payments other than a mortgage. Like we do have some credit cards here and there, but not that much. It's like we just pay it off every month, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, all right, um, so let's lo- let's look at this real estate. Have you spent time with a realtor to where you know the um, ins and outs, the good, the bad, how long it took them to get going? How much of a snapshot do you have of a realistic launch into this industry? So that's the thing. So I started taking a course, and I have talked to like one or two people regarding it, and I have you know gotten some like. Goods and bads, and some people said they really loved it. Other people said they really hated it. All right, and, so hold um, on. The people who said they loved it were they successful real estate professionals? Um, yeah, they were actually successful. All right, what and about the people, the people that were, hated it? Were they successful? Uh, they, they were not successful. So okay. they, they totally hated it. So Did they, they tell totally you different opinion? Kind right. Of well, yeah. but there's there's reason I'm pressing you on this. There's a reason why that is, and you've got to understand uh, of the stuff that you heard that was, well, I loved it. Did that resonate with you? Of the stuff that uh, they said they hated it, did that resonate with you? I mean, you have to understand, am I wired for this? A lot of people in America, in fact, Dave, uh, I I saw some data recently, 70% of Americans want to be self-employed, but only 7% are. Now, there's a gap there for a reason. That's a massive gap. Mm. And the gap is, here's here's what that data tells me, Sherry, and this is why I'm pressing you for a moment. People want the freedom. The 70% want the freedom. 
but only 7% are willing to do what it takes to get said freedom. And many times you work harder for yourself. In fact, most people would tell you it's that work the worst for themselves. boss you'll ever have. Yeah, exactly. So I want to make sure that you have looked into this, the good, the bad, the ugly, and is it something that you deeply enjoy or is it just an avenue towards this freedom that I want, that quite frankly we all run, want, but most people aren't willing to do what it takes to get this freedom? So let me help you a second. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the residential real estate business. Mom and daddy owned a company. I got my license when I turned 18. I sold real estate all the way through college. I sold for a couple of years after that. Residential real estate agents work mm-hmm. by definition when other people aren't working. Right. So be ready to work nights and weekends or plan right. to and not, that, or, or don't plan to sell any houses. That's right. <laughs> yeah. No, that part I understand completely. Okay. And, and be, be you know, ready and, and know that you're going to work really, really hard and spend a lot of time on the first few deals. And a lot of them are going to blow up because you don't know what you're doing yet. And you don't put them together. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be really freaking frustrating. The first six months is hell. It's boot camp. If you can get through the first six months and do two or three transactions, you might make it in the second six months, but you're going to be working 60 to 80 hours a week to get this up off, to get this airplane off the ground. Right. This is not for the faint. I, I went around around and show houses three hours a week and make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Bull crap. This doesn't happen. Yep. I mean, this is the only industry that people put glamour shots on their business cards. And, and, and 90% of the people leave the business when the market slows down like this. So it is a great time to get into the real estate business because you don't have a lot of competition right now. It's also a hard time to get in the business because there's not a lot of property moving right now. The turnover is not nearly like it was a few years ago. It's harder to sell a house and there's not as many houses for sale. And so... Uh, both are both are happening when the economy slows down in Bidenomics. And so that's what you're sitting in the middle of. By this time next year, it might be different. I hope it is. For God's sakes, I hope it is. But, um, but in the meantime, you've got a real harsh environment you are walking into. Um, and can it be done? Sure, it can be done. I made a living in 1983. Interest rates were 17%. And I sold houses. I don't know how in the crap that happened. But I was just too dumb to not to stop, wow. and so I sold houses. But I worked like a maniac, and I was only 23 years old. So I was dumber than a rock, but you can do it. <laughs> I, I'm not going to tell you to not do it. I'm just telling you it's a lot of hours, a lot of frustration, a lot of drama, because mm-hmm. people are mean when they're moving. Yeah, there's one thing that I heard, no, Sherry. I, I want you to – I'm going to give it back to you because I know you got a question. But one thing I heard in your voice was you said – and what you said, you said, I want to be able to put the effort in and control. It's going to take you a while to build a pipeline and a reputation up to where you can, you can downshift and control it like that. Do you, do you understand what we're saying on that? No, I completely understand what you're saying. It's just that um, I, right now I'm in a point in my life. I mean, like I still have 20 more years that, before I could actually retire. And I actually went through like hell going through the cancer survival. You know, oh, that, wow. You know, it took me it took me two and a half years just to recover from it, and it's still like I'm having some side effects that I still have to recover from. Oh, and yeah, me too. But it's not the things are looking good, and you know, I want I you can beat you can beat that. Like, you can beat you can win the real estate game. Yeah, okay? before before it's doable. I was so afraid to just like you know do like be my own you know go through my own business you know like do something on my own. 
But like, you know, after having a face to face conversation with death, it kind of changes the perspective a little yeah. bit. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. Well, practically speaking, so can you financially do it if it takes you six years to get on your six feet? Six months. Excuse me. Six months to get on God your feet. Help. I know. Scar- scared her to <sighs> death. Uh, can you guys do that financially? Live on your husband's yes, income I for mean, six months. Because you got 75000 yeah, I mean, going away. I got 75000 going away. However, we do have about $50,000 in our couches. I don't want you burning you know, it. Yeah. You need to live on his income. I'm not burning it. Can you I, live on I his income? I can live on his income. I okay. can live on his income. Perfect. Then live on his income and go do it. Perfect. But but just go in knowing this is going to be hard. Yep. And I, I, I am not expecting this to be easy okay. by right. any means. The, rule, like, the rules of business, when I'm talking to entree leaders... Yeah. When I'm talking to entree leaders that are talking about starting their own business, it takes twice as long as you think it's going to. It costs twice as much as you think it's going to. And you're not the exception. Those are the three rules. Okay. Yeah. You, and then another thing is like, I just heard that, you know, like you know, right now that, you know, there's a lot of people in real, going into real estate agent, you know, be, being an agent and whatnot. And it's a great time to get in because everybody uh, else is getting out. Mm, and I've got an edge okay. for you. Uh, Dave and I are really good friends with Brian Buffini. Buffini and Company. He's one of the top. He is the top coaching company in yes. the world for real estate professionals. Yep. I would highly recommend you connect with Brian Buffini, Buffini and Company, and use them as your coaches to get you going because they yeah, I would agree. walk you through all this. Yeah, they Brian, know what it's like. Brian's a great guy, and hey, Ken's not kidding. He's the top company. It's the largest coaching company. They coach more than anyone else, and they do the best job in our opinion. They're really incredible. So be sure and check him out. Hey, I think you can do it, Sherry. Yeah. I'm just warning you that this is not a uh, this is not Skittles, rainbows, and a uh, you know a, a yellow brick road. There's flying monkeys out there. Be ready. This is the Ramsey Show. I know you work hard for your money, and the key to keeping more of it in your pocket is by making a plan for your spending with a budget. And Every Dollar is the budgeting app that I use personally because it's perfect for looking every dollar you make in its little president face and telling it exactly where you want it to go. Just like you told that guy in traffic exactly where you wanted him to go. And even better, every dollar walks you through the entire budgeting journey so you always know your next right step. Download every dollar for free in the App Store or Google Play today. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-825. Five two two five in the lobby of Ramsey Solutions on the debt free stage. Eric and Alyssa are with us. Hey guys, how are you? Doing great. Doing great. Good. How cool. are you? Welcome. Where do you live? Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Well, welcome to Nashville. How much debt have you two paid off? One hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. All right. How long did that take? Uh, about four years. Good for you. And your range of income during that time? Started at ninety thousand, all the way up to one hundred and fifty thousand. Cool. What do y'all do for a living? I'm in sales. I'm in marketing. Very good. How long you two been married? Uh, about two years. Oh, so you started on this before you got married. Yes. Very good. And completion after marriage. I like it. What kind of debt's the 125? Student loans is most of it. And then cars, uh, credit cards. That's pretty much it. Okay. Who had the most? Me. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of owned that the way you brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Was it all you? No. no okay. No. All right. Good. I'm feeling better now. <laughs> all right. So 125000 of normal. Yeah. yeah. And then you two meet and start working towards getting out of debt, then get married two years ago and complete. Tell us the story. How'd you get connected to Ramsey and how'd you decide as a young couple you were going to do this? Yeah. We were living kind of like just 
going along and uh it just it felt like we were we had adult responsibilities but we were still living in a lot of ways like children uh who didn't like the word no and that was really stressful so uh i actually listened to entree leadership first and then um i I listened to that for a while and then i was like i'm gonna check out ramsey's show see what it's all about and then um it just felt like what we were missing uh, Mm. the the discipline that we were missing um and later that night i uh, had him listen to it and i was worried that he was gonna think it was like too extreme or um, but he was right on board right away and from that point we were game on Uh, we cash flowed our wedding uh, one of our dogs needed like a $5,000 surgery. We were able to cash flow that washer and dryer. It's like different things came up along the way. But um, like you say, Dave, it, it turned it into um, an inconvenience rather than an emergency. And mm. uh, so it was wonderful. A great, yeah. a great uh, way to start our marriage as well. Uh, way to go. So Eric, she says, uh, there's this weird guy on the <laughs> thing here. I want you to listen to this. You had to roll your eyes a little. I mean, at first I did, but honestly what we were doing wasn't working. I mean, we started the journey separately and Mm -hmm. you know, when we were dating, even I was, I was down to my last $20 sometimes. And I was like, Oh, we should go on a date. And I was like, well, I better get my credit card out and pay for that. And once she brought it to me, I was like, okay, this makes sense. You know, I'm no more dates. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) See what you did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's fun. So now, what was the last thing you paid off? Student loan? Student loan, The big yep. one. You yes. gave old Sally Mae her eviction notice. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. So I, this is, seems particularly relevant right now. Why didn't you guys just wait to see if Uncle Joe and his proposal was going to come through? Why would you keep attacking it? We, we thought about it and we're, <laughs> for a minute, but ultimately we were like, you know, we've already got this momentum. We're already going at it hard. Let's just do it. There's nothing's gaining interest right now. It's the best time to be doing it. And I, I can tell just because I have friends who didn't and, you know, they're kicking themselves now. Yes, sir. So, wow. Yeah. yeah, the old interest and the payments have kicked back in and they kick some people in the teeth in the mm-hmm. process. It's tough out there for some folks right mm-hmm. now. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad y'all are free. Way so to go. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what do you tell people the key to getting out of debt is? I'd say... For me personally, it was having that strong reason why. Um, what was your why? Mine was growing up. You know, my parents grew up middle class, uh, but that meant having HELOCs, taking out you know credit cards and everything. And I can remember watching my dad at the kitchen table talking to credit card you know holders and everything. And you know, I'm going to pay that next week. I'm going to you know get to that this week, or telling us not to answer the phone because you know he he knew who was calling and. I knew I didn't want to put that stress on us. I mean, they gave us everything that they could for us kids growing up, but I knew I wanted to be able to honor them by by not doing that and being able to build an even more bigger life for the, our wow. kids. Hmm. You know, that's something that's interesting. That with the culture doing away with the home phone, uh, the family phone in the family living room, family kitchen, there's no longer there. Uh, the kids don't get to hear the collector calls. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're right. It's a lot easier to head outside or into yeah, the garage. Well, it's never, it's <laughs> never a thing. I mean, you just look down and block that one. Yeah, wow. it's like I, it, when it was ringing off the hook at home, the kids were like, "I got it, Dad." You know, <laughs> don't answer it. Yeah, yeah wow. that's a. That, I hadn't thought of that in a long time. That's an interesting change, though, in the way we do technology in our lives. So, um, Alyssa, Alyssa, what about you? What do you say the key to getting out of debt is? I think uh, it was the budget, the discipline, learning 
that no is a complete sentence. Um, <laughs> we don't have to um, keep up with what everybody else is doing. We can do our own thing um, and be on our own path towards our future. While you were doing this for four years, $125,000, what was the biggest money fight? Ooh, I'll, I'll take this one. <laughs> uh, so for my job, I'm on the road a lot. You know, I drive every day. And during those drives, I'd like to stop at a gas station, grab, you know, a coffee or, you know, pack of beef jerky or something. But that wasn't in the budget. So anytime that would hit the budget and we didn't talk about it, it we'd see that in the every dollar pop up. And it wasn't a beef jerky category. There was not. Uh-oh. Not even a dime. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like that still has a little pain That's attached kind of, to it. A, I saw yeah, that. Right? There was a little, yeah. there was a little ouch, yeah. little scar there, a little yeah. scarring. It still happens. <laughs> Does he have a beef jerky budget now? I do now. He should okay, have now. Good. Yeah, he right. should have a beef jerky and coffee. Yeah, you gotta have that. That's gas station food, man. You gotta do it. Yep. Yeah, that's good. I like that. So yeah, so you can you came home to the walk of shame said it was a beef jerky day and she's like i know i've already seen it mm -hmm. she and knew it, fridays was usually that day so uh, uh, by then you made it all week and then your willpower <laughs> power dies on friday yep yeah, I, I know the feeling i know this guy okay <laughs> way to go man that's awesome good 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 uh realism i appreciate that you're a hundred percent free you're how old 33 29 wow how's it feel the best feeling ever i can't explain it sometimes yeah y'all can do anything now mm -hmm. if you can attack this monster kill this dragon you can kill anything mm -hmm. i'm so yep. proud of you way to go very well done well done guys who was your biggest encouragement outside of the two of you yeah we had uh our friends they were they thought we were crazy but once we told them that we couldn't spend money on things only free activities they were supportive come over for game night movie night um yeah, uh, and they were always happy to just come hang at our house or invite us over to their house. Will you keep doing that now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's better community than yeah. the other stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Much more personal. Than some loud bar where you can't hear each other talk. Right. right. It really is. Mm -hmm. It's it's You can have an actual conversation with an actual friend. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, we had friends over Friday night for dinner, and it's an old-fashioned thing to have people to your house for dinner. Mm -hmm. yeah. It really is. It's, 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 a gone, it's a lost art. I mean, it's really, really well done. But you all brought it back. I'm proud of you. <laughs> yep. Hey, we've got the uh, Live and Give box for you, the Baby Steps Millionaires book. That's your next step in the process. You'll be there soon. The uh, Total Money Makeover book to give away and get someone started, and a Financial Peace University membership to either go through or give away as well. It's your Live and Give box. Our way of saying thanks for coming to Nashville to do your debt-free scream all the way from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Eric and Alyssa, they're heroes. They did it. They took control of their lives while everyone else stands around and watches way to go you two 125,000 paid off in four years making 90 to 150 count it down let's hear a debt-free scream three, three two, two one. one we're debt-free yeah! i love it well done man absolutely amazing good good work this is the ramsey show our scripture of the day psalm 32 8 i will guide you along the best pathway for your life i will advise and watch over you john rockefeller said if you want to succeed you should strike out on new paths 
rather than travel the worn paths of accepted success. Yeah, it's interesting, Ken, the uh, difference between the wisdom of studying other people and finding what we in business call best practices um, versus just carving your own path and making your own way. Um, sometimes doing an old thing a new way is a good is a good idea. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really the heart of entrepreneurship. They they the problems aren't necessarily new, but the solutions to these problems are new, and that's how we see the entrepreneurial spirit, the innovation. These are by definition cutting their own path to find a new way to solve a problem or create a new solution, a new desire for people, and that's the that's the name of the game right there. Yeah, it really is. The one that always just uh, enthralls me, and I always just think it's so interesting, taking something that is so standardized and finding a new, a different take on it. In the 1920s, there was not any uh, freon; there was no refrigeration. You had a box in your house that was insulated, and the wagon, or maybe a motorized vehicle, but likely a wagon, delivered a large block of ice mm-hmm. with tongs. And they set the block of ice in the box for you to keep your milk, your eggs, your meat cool. It was called an ice box. That's why some people still call their refrigerator an ice box because their great-grandmother right. did that, yeah. right? Um, then along comes refrigeration. General Motors invented, uh, found the chemists found Freon uh, and invented what we now call air conditioning and refrigeration and uh, the Frigidaire was a division of General Motors, was born, and they started making refrigerated uh, boxes that go in houses. Called uh, We called them fridges or refrigerators <laughs> or frigidaires. First brand that got brand penetration was frigidaires. So one of the ice houses that used to deliver ice in North Dallas was called, uh, was owned by a guy nicknamed, John, his name was Johnny, and they nicknamed him Uncle Johnny. It was Uncle Johnny's place. And he had this huge ice house, and he had figured out that if he would store in the ice house, it was at a central location in North Dallas, a, um, if he would store some meat uh-huh. and some eggs, that people would come by in the mornings on their way to work or in the evenings after work and pick them up. And he, ca- he used the ice house to store it, and he had a little store going there on the side. Well, ice houses, of course, went out of vogue because there was no more ice boxes because refrigerators put them out of business, right? But Uncle Johnny kept selling more and more stuff out of his ice house, and he ended up chopping up the ice and would bag it for picnics. And uh, he named his little store after the hours he was open from 7 to 11. Oh, man. There it is. That's beautiful. Isn't that a great story? It's a great story. That, that's entrepreneur. But that, that, yeah. it's bur- it was born out of a business that went out of business. Right. Because of technology. Yeah. And so ice is now no longer delivered to houses. It has to be chopped up and put in a bag. Yeah. And, uh, but by the way, we've been selling some eggs and some bread here. I love that. And now we sell lotto tickets. But <laughs> Yeah. And, and to bring it full circle on the ice, the greatest thing 7-Eleven has ever sold and ever will sell is the Slurpee. The Slurpee. That's the it. flavored ice drink. So, Uncle John, I, that's well, great. Got, you really had me there. I felt like this was the, the old Paul days. Paul Harvey, the rest you, of the you story. You really did do a Paul Harvey right the there. the rest of the story. That's great. Yeah. That's By the a, way, if you're a young that's person. A market, it's a market disruption. Yeah. And we have all this technology that is market disrupting everything. The internet has wow. disrupted almost every industry in one way or another. Um, the grocery business is now interrupted, right? That's um, right. You know, uh, we, we've got 
the an amazing number of people that work here in the office that don't go to grocery stores anymore including one of my daughters which will not which shall go unnamed her name sounds like rachel yeah and starts um, with a rachel Rachel, that's how it sounds she doesn't go to the grocery store no she has that um automatic delivery crap and so she's um Boy, this is gonna, She's truly a, a, a true millennial. I did not know this. This will lead to some great harassment oh, yes, uh, next yes, time yes, I yes. see her. Well, that's good. That's because good. we know that's she's what I was bougie, trying to cause. I want, wow. Rachel harassment is always good. Very interesting. Once it all delivered. Yeah. Ben oh. is in Anchorage, Alaska. Hi, Ben. How are you? Hey, Ben. Um, how's it going? Better than I deserve. What's up? Um, hey, I was calling. Um, my wife and I were basically at um, Baby Step. Four, I guess, uh, looking to... So you're saving um, 15% into retirement. Yep. We uh, went through you know, our budget, and we have about 17% left over after you know, home repair funds and car funds and all that stuff. Uh, but we're debt-free, um, and uh, so we're just saving up those things for replacements and whatnot. Um, and then uh, trying to decide what to do with that 17%. Um, I've, obviously, we'd like to invest for retirement, but we would also like to start a business and um what, but what kind of a business do you for. want to start uh she's a baker um she's been a baker her whole life and um is looking but she's always worked for someone else and so she's looking to um kind of get out on her own and and um what would she bake uh, uh we're actually going to start uh with pizzas uh, pizzas, pizzas okay. kind of the magnet and then the and then uh, artisan bread. Um, you know, her. You mean her, pizza crust? Uh, well, we'd be selling pizza. Oh, so you're going um, to the pizza restaurant then, business? Yeah, and then and then from there, the the big. She really wants to sell baked goods and bread, like artisan sourdough bread. Uh, but the pizza would be kind of the. Um, Are you going to prepare it like at oven. a restaurant, or is it going to be cold, uh, cold and I heat it up when I get home? Uh, at we're going to we're looking to start a food truck, ultimately. A food truck, um, okay. Yep. But, expensive, yeah, like expensive way to start. Truck. That's very expensive. Yeah. So we're not. We don't have enough money to start that way. So yeah. we're we're going to start um, with a small trailer that I'm going to make with uh, two tiny ovens on it. Okay. Um, what does that cost? Yeah. That is probably going to cost around ten grand. Okay. And what do you make? Um, what do I make? What's the household income? Uh, uh, the household income is around uh, one fifteen. Great. Um, Save up ten grand, build the trailer, and start the bakery and the trailer on the side as a side hustle. Yeah, um, but ultimately we would like to have up to that um, uh, that larger food truck. Um, so we, we'd like to save for that, and we would do. Well, guess what? The trailer, the trailer, the trailer like with two ovens will pay for the food truck mm-hmm. if you work your butt off. That's our goal. Yeah, um, that's a side hustle. I, that's extra income above one fifteen. Um, I guess, uh, why do I not believe you? Well, my, the the question I was going to ask was my, my company pays, uh, 10% towards retirement, uh, of my gross income per year, um, uh, without me having to do anything. And so what I would like to do is put an additional 5% towards that to get 15 and then that's, that's not the 15 we're talking about. The 15 we're talking about comes out of your income. 
And if they match you, the matching, the matching is gravy on a business, on a biscuit. You can do both. Save up 10 grand and go build a pizza trailer. A pizza trailer will self-fund itself. You don't have to not invest for retirement to get a food truck. The pizza trailer, the two oven trailer will buy the food truck, but it may take two years. Hey, I didn't start this thing with six studios and 2000 miles of wire and 18,000 computers or whatever it is I got in this stupid building. Uh, I started I started this radio show in a radio station that someone else owned, and they let me use it to do my radio show. And I yep. went and made money. And after I made money, yep. I bought my first little computer and two microphones, and we finally got our own little studio, and it was pitiful. It was the pizza trailer. <laughs> yeah, which is what we're going for. I just and uh, then and but, but now, dude, I'm I'm sitting in the freaking Taj Mahal over here of studios. Mm-hmm. But I didn't start okay. there. It was 20 years ago. Right. Right. You'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah, you got to focus on proving the business first. Everybody wants to accelerate. I heard the word accelerate and scale. You don't have to. You don't but, have to. You don't have to choose between retirement yeah. and business success. And by the way, Dave, okay. the acceleration takes care of itself. To your, you know what I mean? It's if the like, pizza's good. If the pizza's good, the bread's good. You can't keep people away from good pizza. They yeah. just attracted like flies, man. For that matter, artisan bread, too. My mouth's watering right now. I need to stop <laughs> and get a sandwich. Uh, get him some sourdough bread, James. Quick. Please, can we get him a loaf? Quick, get me a, give me a loaf in here right now. <laughs> that puts us out of the Ramsey Show in the books. We'll be back with you before you know it. In the meantime, remember, there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace. Christ Jesus. If you're a leader, your personal growth matters for your organization because whatever you lead can only grow as much as you do. I know from experience. I've been CEO of Ramsey Solutions for over 30 years, and now I'm sharing that leadership and business coaching experience with you on the Entree Leadership Podcast. I'm taking your calls and helping you figure out how to overcome challenges within your organization. One episode could change your business. Check it out on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or on the Ramsey Network app.